Thanks for finding Oregon Music News Coffee Shop Conversations from right here at World Cup Coffee and Tea at Northwest 18th and Gleason in Portland. I'm OMN editor Tom D'Antoni, D apostrophe capital A-N-T-O-N-I. This time around, pretty much fresh off winning the Blues Music Award, kind of the blues version of the Oscars, for Best Bass Player is bass player and vocalist Lisa Mann. As you may know, she is married to Alan Markell, who is also a bass player. We'll get to that and a lot of other things. Coming up in the next few weeks, Damian Erskine, bass player for all seasons. Dark and Dusty, pianist and founder of the Volvo Underground. J.D. Steubenberg, without whom Jimmy Max would not be Jimmy Max. We're taking July 2 off for the Safeway Waterfront Blues Festival, and guess who's playing there? Lisa Mann. Welcome to the cupping room. This is the cupping room. I'm being that's, cupped that's, no, as we speak. Wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> that's barista talk. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, you know, people think uh, have have uh, have given very various theories about what that meant. But we, I mm. used that as shtick for the first couple months of this. So yes, of course. I think I've run out of. Uh, <laughs> but uh, thank you for the joke. You actually have a, a real, a real like notebook in front of you, rather than yes. something electronic. I can't do it. It's really? like, uh, you know, I, I remember when everybody was using Palm Pilots. Yes. Yeah, and so you know, I just found that while I watch everybody sit there and poke and poke and poke and go ah oh, and poke and poke and poke, oh wait, oh edit, oh oh oh, <laughs> I just open my book and I write down Tuesday five o'clock, boom, <laughs> and I put it down and I'm done. So pen and paper, that's how I operate. And I have a whole stack of these from 2002 and three really? and four. Oh, that's, that's great. You oh, know, I, I do, do What were those day timers? Remember day timers? Day timers? They were like, uh, they, they were date books. Yeah. You would, I, I They're used too to, big. I used to keep those. Yeah. I may have them in a box. I may have boxes them. of them somewhere in the, in, in the, yeah. in the basement. That's how I do my taxes and everything. Is that right? Oh, yeah, right. My CD sales in this little – it's a slingshot. It's called a slingshot. It's a, slingshot. a pocket organizer, and it has all this, like, left-wing pro propaganda in here. Really? Silly pictures and stuff like that. And there's not a whole lot of room, but I write like a spy. As oh. my friend Mike Rupert used to say, rest in peace, he'd say, you write like a spy because I'm so nearsighted. I just take my glasses off and write really tiny. Do you have really, like, great handwriting? Hmm? Do you have like really great? Well, handwriting? thank you. No, do you? I do. You. Yes, I do. I have terrific handwriting. Although Women have I better handwriting in... than men. There you go. See, look at that. That looks pretty good. That's huh? amazing. Yeah. But women have better handwriting than men. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Well, maybe we just liked writing in school. We like journaling. Yeah. About yeah. our issues. Yes. Yeah. I don't know why that is, though. Why would I that be? I have, no, I, don't, I have no theory about that. I don't know. We like things to look pretty. I don't know. There you go. Well, maybe that could be true. It's yeah, probably maybe true. that's it. I yeah. don't know what it is. I've always had good handwriting. I've been, always been proud of my really? legible handwriting. Although, when I give my calendar to my husband, he cannot make heads or tails of it. Because everything's in code. Oh. You know, it's, it's like ch charts. If I give somebody else base charts that I wrote, yeah. they're just in Lisa E's. And nobody, <laughs> it's like no other bass player could look at this and, you know, they go, what the heck? How did you develop that? Um, I don't know. I just like, like if a song goes, banana. 
I write banana in the corner. <laughs> it's a banana song. Banana, banana. And that's how I remember how that goes. Ben Rice has a banana song. That's how right? I wrote it down. It's like, this is a banana song. So now I know how the intro goes. Well, congratulations <laughs> on your big award win. Well, thank you. That was tremendous. I was stunned and amazed. Oh, really? I had absolutely no idea to the point where Karen Lovely kind of admonished me earlier in the day and said, you better have a list of people to thank or you're going to have the, the shortest accepted speech <laughs> in the history of the BMAs. <laughs> So, you know, actually earlier that afternoon, like right before we went across the street into uh -huh. the Cook Convention Center, yeah. I took out this little scrap of paper, this torn up scrap of paper, and I just wrote this quick list of, you know, industry people, my husband, you know, yeah. that kind of stuff, my buddy Sonny, and, and uh, stuffed it in my purse. And so when they announced my name, the first thing I thought was, Oh shit! Where's the list? Where's the list? <laughs> I rip this crappy little piece of paper out and run up there, totally stunned. I actually thought that uh, because um, Sugar Ray Norcia got so many nominations uh -huh. and you know was winning awards left and right, I I thought for sure that Mudcat Ward was going to take that uh, the award. Uh -huh. And so when they called my name, I was. But I should have known, actually, because when I was milling about, you know, they have this kind of reception in the lobby, uh -huh. and Anika Chambers, I think her name is, she was playing at the end, everybody's hanging out, and all these women that I've never met before kept coming up to me and going, oh, you're Lisa Mann, I voted for you. Oh. So all these women, I think that's what huh. put me over the top. They saw, like, one girl, you know, because it's like for most of the, the instrumental you know, categories uh -huh. Uh -huh. are male dominated. Yeah. That's just yeah. how the industry Has a is. woman ever won in the best Actually, category? she won last year. It was oh. Danielle Schnebelin okay. wow. from uh, Trampled Underfoot won the BMA <laughs> last year for bass. Wow. So it was like two chicks, two years in a row. Yeah. Wow. All right. Jeez. Girl power. So how do you feel about it now? Have you have, have you been able to process it or? Um, it's been, it's, it's funny because Dave Millian, you know, drummer I work with quite yeah. often, uh, he, everybody was sending me all these texts, congratulations, congratulations. The first thing he says, hey, maybe now these club owners and festival organizers will get back to you and return your emails now. And I said, yes. That's, so that's the hope. That's the hope is that maybe now they'll look at the website. It says Blues Music Award winner. And they'll go, gee, maybe we'll hire her for this festival. Or maybe wow. we'll actually return the phone call oh, she geez. made ten times. Wow. But that's, you know, I'm I'm a self-contained, do-it-yourselfer, everything. I'm, I'm the booking agent. I'm the, you know, manager. I'm the musical director. So I'm kind of a do-it-all-yourself kind of person. And so, you know, I'm... I, I'm experiencing what these booking agents experiences was is not just a lot of no's, uh -huh. but a lot of a lot of no responses. Wow! So it's really nice when you do get those responses, even if they say not this year, maybe next year. Uh -huh. You know what I'm saying? Uh -huh. But so far, I, I mean, I've gotten some good response and whoa, radio interviews. Uh Shut up. Turn that thing off. I, I, I'm trying to. It won't, it Cut won't. that racket out. Thank you. Oh. Uh oh, uh, you know, maybe I should turn mine off before 
Before well, I, I get a message I, from I Starfleet I, I, Academy. I thought I, I had had it off. You see, and I'll then, get I'll get a message from Starfleet Academy. Something happened. From what? Starfleet Academy. That's my ringtone. Oh. Incoming message from Starfleet. <laughs> I'm a nerd. Yeah. So anyway, I'm just so hoping have, to capitalize on it, and yeah. I have about a year to do so. Yeah. Yeah. I was on. Um, but you could win again next year. Well, I don't know. We'll see. I'd have to submit for it. Yeah. Yeah. I need more product. That's the next thing I need to focus on is making another CD. Yeah. That's always next. How far along are you? It's all between my ears. Oh, boy. I have a few scraps of paper, and I have a few uh, files. Actually, Uh I have a bunch of files on my phone Uh of ideas, and they need to be fleshed out. I have two songs that are pretty well fleshed out. Now, what form are they? I mean, are it's, just, they... it's just a little MP3 uh, recorder on my phone. No, I mean, and I yeah. sing it. Oh, you sing it. That's what I I'm just saying. sing it into the phone, yeah. and then sometimes if I'm sitting down, I'll play the bass, and I'll play the bass line. But a lot of times I'm out and about when I'm writing songs, Yeah. and I'll, I'll sing the bass line because uh-huh. I hear the bass line. I'll sing it, uh-huh. or I'll sing the drum part. Yeah. Yeah. You know, just do something like that, you know. I'll sing the drum part into it. Well, that's – so what, what, what's it What's it feeling like to you for, 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 for the For the next CD? Yeah. I don't know. I mean because – A little the, more on that uh, soul blues. Not uh-huh. not necessarily – more like that R&B, like John Namath type of uh-huh. – Little bit of Curtis, yeah. Put yeah. some blues. I'm gonna have. I know I'm gonna have a song that probably has country influence on in it. I'm gonna have a ballad. Uh-huh. I'm gonna have a song that's rock blues. You know, yeah. th- that's just how it's gonna be. Variety blues again. Uh-huh. Like I was saying, that's what I do. I just do a melange. Any uh, any theme uh, lyrically uh, occurring to you, like you have in the past? I don't know. I mean, that you had that album that was really about moving on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 You know, I, I think that kind of will happen on its own. Huh. Well, it'll happen by itself. How its could own. it happen on its own? Well, I, I don't write songs. I let them write themselves. Huh. So I listen to songs. So I hear things, and then I listen to what they're trying to tell me to do, and then I write it down. And then if there's little, I, I call it like uh, the bones and the, the bones and the uh, and the joints. You know, you get the bones good, uh-huh. and then the only real work is on the joints, is the details. <laughs> it's like, okay, we got it. We're gonna change key. How do we do uh-huh. that? And uh-huh. oh, there's a missing lyric here, and I will work to put something in there. Oh, I'll go to a rhyming dictionary and maybe figure uh-huh. something out. But for the most part, I let the song write itself and just listen to what it. What it tells me, I and mean, this is kind of embarrassing, but sometimes I lay on the floor. And I'll just lay on my back on the floor, uh-huh. and I'll let them talk to me that way. It sounds kind of weird, but it does sound weird. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I'll just lay on my back, just relax, you know. No, no, the fact that you're laying on your back is, is not my, is not the weird yeah. part. Yeah. But it's you talking to yourself. Uh, yeah, kind of, or just letting, letting that 
creative part do the talking uh -huh. instead of going, hey, you need to write a song and it better be good yeah. and trying to force it, you know, because when I try to write a song, yeah. it usually sucks. Really? Yeah. Wow. I can't just try and write a song. I have to be inspired to write a song. Well, there was a, there was, there was a, a thing I did for a fundraiser for our tour, and one of the perks I did, it was Indiegogo, one of the perks I did, I said I would write you a song for a larger sum of money. If you uh -huh. donated a larger sum of money, yeah. I will write you a song and play it crappily on my acoustic guitar because I'm a really <laughs> crappy guitar player. But I will write you a song based on a theme that you want me to write about. And um, so a couple people gave me gave me the ideas. Write a song about this. One person was a Buddhist friend of mine, and uh -huh. he said, I want you to write a, a, a song about doing no harm. It's this Buddhist concept uh -huh. of ahimsa. Yeah. And so what I did is I just plugged it in my brain. Okay, okay, you start writing a song about ahimsa. <laughs> and I rolled it around and rolled it around and rolled it. It's just like let it, let it do its thing. Uh -huh. But, you know, that's the only way, you know, I just – plug something in, I come up with a little verse, a little lyric. Um, I, give, I can give you an example. Uh -huh. um, always nobody in your own hometown. I was listening to Lloyd-Jones uh -huh. do an interview. There were these guys um, out in Hillsborough. God, well, why is his name escaping me? And he'll kill me because I forgot his name. Um, anyway, he this, this great interview with Lloyd-Jones, I'm listening to it, and he says something about going to Europe and playing in front of these huge screaming crowds. And yeah. then he comes back home and he plays at the Muddy Rudder. Uh -huh. And there's like three people in yeah. the audience drinking yeah. beer. you know. And uh, he said something about being nobody in your own hometown. And I yeah. thought, that's a song. Yeah. So I wrote this idea yeah. down. Yeah. And uh, I just kind of put it, filed it in the back of uh -huh. my brain somewhere. And then I did a gig with him, like, I don't know, it must have been nine months later. And he was talking to somebody. Uh, we did a double bill. And he was talking to somebody in the audience, and he said, yeah, come on down to my gig, because there's always plenty of parking. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> and I said, that's it. There's always plenty of parking and places to sit. And so I, I just, after the gig, I sat in my car yeah. and I had a, 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 a spare sheet of paper and I just started writing the song and just boom, 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 boom. The whole song came out, whole song wow. done in about 20 minutes. And, wow. it, and it was just this little seed that has sat in the back of my mind. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so Amazing. that's how it happened. I have never been able to figure out how things get from the inside of my brain out through my fingers. Yeah. I just, you know, I yeah. mean, it's just something, it's just some kind of mystery. Yeah. You know, and, and, and to think, you know, um, especially if I, if I'm, if I'm trying to be funny mm. or, or not even, I, I, uh, I, I can't even say I'm trying to be funny just when I'm writing something and something funny comes out Yeah. and, and I laugh Yeah. and I realize that I just made that up. I mean, I just, I just made myself laugh and. And there it is. How did that happen? Yeah. I have no idea how that happened. Yeah. It just comes out. It comes, you know, I'm, I'm at the keyboard, so it comes out through my fingers. That's why you're a good writer, I and think. I, but I, I, don't, I don't understand that. You know, it's really yeah. funny. There's uh, 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 Gary Gunther, mm -hmm. who is uh, a, a clarinet player, plays with the Kung Pao Chickens. Yeah. The Django Reinhardt band yeah, that plays yeah, yeah, yeah. Been, has been at Laurel Thirst for like 80 million years. <laughs> but he's been, a, he's been a musician in this town for, you know, 30, 40 years. Right? Mm -hmm. 
but he spent most of his life as a as a psychologist. And I did an interview with him once hmm. where he explained the process perfectly. Huh. Of course, then I forgot what he said. You forgot what he said. Right? And, and somebody destroyed <laughs> the tape. tape. Okay, oh. so years later, I said, I'm going to go back to him and get him to explain this to me again so I'll have it. And it was like an old Laurel and Hardy movie where Stan Laurel says something brilliant and Ollie says, say that again. And then he gets all confused and backwards uh-huh. and he tries to say it again. He, he, he never said it again. He never said it no. exactly. But there the is, there is, you know, there's, there are obviously people who do have some insight mm-hmm. into how that works. I don't want to know how that works. <laughs> if I know how that works, I'll just screw with it, you know? I'll just go, well, this is how that works. Therefore, I'm going to do this now. Which just it's okay. I, it's even, if, even if somebody told me again, I'd still forget. Yeah, it's a Zen you know? thing, you yeah. know. Yeah. I've no, I Sit just down no, and no clue. How does this come out? How, does, how yeah. did I do Well, you know. And then you go back years later and, and look at something and, and forget that you've done it, and it'll make you laugh all over again. Mm-hmm. Or is it, oh, did I, did did I, write, I write that? I, I just did this thing where um, – I did a reading from my, the book that I that I wrote about ten years ago of, mm-hmm. of gross out humor uh, when I used to be a tabloid writer, and <laughs> and 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 I I was asked to to be part of a of a, of a night at the Star Day Tavern where they did some mm. readings and stuff, and okay, so I took the book and you know I know it's all you know the jokes are all funny they are you know uh, and they still hold up so I figured okay I'll read one of the th- stories right and. Uh, it was uh, a chapter where um, I included the story I had written for the supermarket tabloid, uh, Grandma Turns Pet Dog Inside Out Looking for a Lost Lottery Ticket. Oh. Yes, yes. It was, it, anyway, so it gets big laughs. It got big laughs, yeah. but I'm reading this. And at the same time, you know how like when you're performing, but you're also thinking yeah. uh, at the same time? Yeah. You're doing the same thing? So I'm, I'm, I'm reading this stuff, and, and the jokes are killing. I'm getting big laughs. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking to myself, Jesus, I didn't remember how fucked up this was. Oh. <laughs> I wrote this, you know, because yeah. I wrote it. You know, Boy, I was a sick 15, puppy back yes, then. Yes, yes, yeah. and, and uh, but but I I continue to to you know to yeah. read it and still get the big laughs while yeah. I think while thinking, what's wrong with me? That's hilarious. <laughs> well, you know that reminds me. They interviewed Eminem uh-huh. some years later after he became the yeah. steady, solid individual that yeah. he is today, and they asked him about these horrible lyrics he wrote about like killing his mom yeah. or something, yeah. and he said. Uh, they asked him, do you have any problem with that? Do you feel ashamed of that? Uh-huh. He said, well, it's not something I would write today, but it was a snapshot in time. And yeah. how can I be ashamed of something that was just a snapshot of the person I was in time? And all of that led to the person I am yeah. today. So, yeah. Yeah. you know. Or as, as when, when they would ask, when, they asked, uh, when Dylan had his, his autobiography yeah. published a few years back, 10 years, I guess, maybe. And you know, he said, "Well, I couldn't write this stuff today. Yeah, I couldn't do it. Huh? I understand that. You know, you do, I'm writing, you know, I'll write something different, it's but I could never, I could never recre- recreate, you know, where where I was at that time. Yeah, you know, it's weird. That wouldn't be genuine anyway. Isn't that weird? No, it's weird. It's tough though because people can, you know, it hasn't happened for me yet. Still, people are still kind of like Lisa, who, but." Uh, 
I see all these artists getting pigeonholed. Yeah. And it's like this guy is this kind of artist, and this guy writes this kind of song. Yeah. And, and you know, that can be helpful because it gives people a handle. So they pick you up. You yeah. know, that gives them a handle. Yeah. And yeah. but you know, it can also just limit you. And you know, you see bands out yeah. there playing the greatest hits from their yeah. big '80s record or yeah. something, and. Yeah. And people don't want to hear what they're doing now, you know. Uh huh. Yeah. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Huh. So. Wow. Yeah. I, it's, I, it's probably good that that you don't get pigeonholed. Yeah. I think it's just I I well you know I've just been struggling to become a national artist and yeah. I'm holding up you know. Yeah. quote signs with that i've been uh-huh. struggling to become a national artist and it was really great because i did all these performances in memphis and you know i did this show. bill wax is in the back of the room with his arms up in the air like cheering yeah that was great you know yeah. so it's like wow you know i'm getting put in put on bills with some national artists and i can meet some of these guys at festivals and hey how you doing john namath you put a little arm around me wow yeah. holy crowd that this is happening for me uh-huh. um I mainly it's because I, I've been doing a lot of national advertising uh-huh. and I've been doing a lot of, you know, um, you know, national venues and Facebook at you. If, if it's free, if it costs money, I don't care. Yeah. And it's always with me and my base, me and my base, Here's yeah. me and my base. This yeah. is the girl with the base. This is the girl with the six string base. Uh-huh. So it, it uh-huh. gives people that handle. So they go, they yeah. know who you are. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. you you don't want to get pigeonholed, but people really do need to see they they oh you're the bass player and that's what people would even say to me yeah in Memphis or when I go uh-huh. to Florida or whatever uh-huh. hey aren't you that bass player how does that make you feel uh, it makes me well it makes me feel like it's working uh huh you know uh-huh. the management team uh-huh. yeah which is me yeah. <laughs> is doing its job. Because if I can go to a nightclub in Florida and walk to the bathroom and the guy on stage goes, and Lisa Mann's in the house tonight. Uh-huh. If I can do that, then yeah. – and it and I think it's because of that association with the bass. Uh-huh. I would hope I don't get pigeonholed. Here's the thing. Yeah. Daniel Schneblin uh-huh. is probably one of the great singers of all time. Uh-huh. Of all time. You know, with Gladys Knight. Yeah. With, you know, on the white girl side of things, Barbara Streisand, uh-huh. Celine Dion, she's up there with, and she, she doesn't, as far as I recall, she doesn't get the recognition. She, yeah. get, she gets nominated for bass. She gets recognition for, because that's what makes her unique, uh-huh. but she, she deserves a lot more recognition for her singing. And I'm hoping that she gets that. She got the recognition for being the unique girl, for being the musician. You know, and yeah. I, I think that's very valuable. Yeah. But you know, I hope that she gets the recognition for being one of the great singers uh-huh. Uh-huh. of the 21st century. Yeah. Was bass your first instrument? Yes. Really? Yeah. I started playing when I actually started playing bass lines on my mom's acoustic guitar huh. and on this old rickety piano we had in the basement. Really? Yeah. So, so was, I would hear a bass line like from Star Wars or from uh, just movies, Star Wars uh-huh. or from uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Uh-huh. I hear these bass lines. Uh-huh. 
you know, and I would play them on the piano. Boom, 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 boom. You know, I'd play that on on an acoustic guitar. But also it was, for a lot of people, it's that Machine Head record. Really? Yeah, it was Deep Purple, Machine Head. Wow. And the first bass line, first song I ever learned was Space Truckin'. Really? It was the first song I ever learned front to back, one whole song, when I was like, 11 years old wow yeah and i walked home from school every day and i saved my lunch money so i could buy <laughs> this beetle copy base it was a hoffner copy uh-huh um look you know there's a violin shape uh-huh so i could buy it at b&b loans in charleston west virginia for 237 dollars and 25 cents <laughs> and i was probably malnourished because i would walk <laughs> home and eat a can of beans or like a piece of toast or something for lunch and save my money to buy that wow. bass because I had to have it. I just uh, had to uh, had to play it. I know people from West Virginia. You don't sound like you're from West Virginia. Sometimes I do if I get tired or if yeah. I get around if I get around David Vest, just forget it. If I get around David, we start talking like this. <laughs> Very true. Or if I go to the South, yeah, then I start. If uh-huh. I hang around with my husband and his family enough, I start walking like this. So. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just kind of fluid. And I just accents rub off on me. Yeah, I've, I've, I had a friend who moved to, uh, who, who was a zealot like that. Yeah. You know? Uh-huh. Just chameleon. Uh, yeah. She moved to Maine, and all of a sudden she's like, wait ah. a minute. <laughs> You don't, sound uh, like, yeah. you don't sound like Bonnie. Who are you? you sound uh, like someone funny. else. Yeah. Well, listen to Madonna and how she speaks yes. now. It's like, where yes. did you pick that? Yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> let, me, let me tell you something. I'm from Bomber, Maryland. Bomber? Okay? I'm from Bomber, Maryland. Oh. Uh-uh. we talk like this. Oh, yeah? Yeah. It's very relaxed. No, it's really stupid. <laughs> very lazy. Very, 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 very yeah. lazy. You just don't yeah. say all the words. I don't know. That's the same thing in the South. Yeah. Well, well. G- Baltimore is below the Mason Mason Dixon line. That's true. That's true. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, it's about lunchtime. So, Jeet. <laughs> <laughs> Did you eat yet? Yeah. 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 Jeet. Yeah, well, you know, uh, Baltimore is not too far from from uh, the Atlantic Ocean. So, when you want to go to you know to take a little vacation, you go down the ocean. Danny Ocean? Yeah, Danny Ocean. <laughs> Danny Ocean. <laughs> Danny Ocean. Okay, wait, wasn't that, didn't that guy have a hit in the 80s? No, that was Billy Ocean. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's another thing that with my husband from New York. Uh-huh. You see, it took him a long time to start calling it the Oregon Coast. Oh. Because, you know, say, hey, you want to go down to the shore. Oh. <laughs> you know, it's the shore. No, it's the coast. <laughs> I don't know why it's the shore there and it's the coast here, but it just is. <laughs> I got shamed into into trying to lose my Baltimore accent. Yeah. Yeah. A a a, 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 a junior high school teacher, mm-hmm. a drama teacher, would just kill us. He would just like yeah, just tell us we were how stupid we sounded. He wants you to do the Midwest accent I, I, thing. I, I, it was well, it was it was you know it was. I always wanted to be a broadcaster, so I knew uh, I, I would have to sound yeah. like a broadcaster. Yeah. You know, which is, yeah. yeah. Well, l- like there's times when I, um, for a while, uh, one of my side gigs was 
head of precinting at Dharma Rain Zen Center. And so I, beg your pardon? <laughs> I was head of precinting at the at the Zen Center. Yeah. Um, and um, at Dharma Rain. And so I'd get up, you know, I'd do my gig late at night, get up really early in the morning yeah. and I'd show up and I'd hit the ring, the gong and hit the bells and uh -huh. you lead the chant, you know. Uh -huh. Harmony of difference and sameness. And you have to be very clear. Uh -huh. So I learned how to... Uh, the mind of the great sage of India is intimately... You see, you have to be very clear. Uh -huh. So I learned how to, how to speak in that neutral yeah. way yeah. by doing that. Yeah. You know? So that's one of my... But that was one of my side gigs. Yeah. Now I just find it too hard to get up that early in Aww. the morning. <laughs> I would love to hear you and Vest together. That I'd like to hear. David Vest? You and David I would Vest. Yes. You know, now that they've relaxed the rules on crossing the border, yeah. I'm going to have to look him up because he was the first boogie-woogie piano player I'd ever worked with. Yeah. And we did some duo gigs together. And when I went to Memphis and I played with Wendy DeWitt, uh -huh. you know, um, I felt very comfortable. A lot of bass players don't feel comfortable playing with a boogie woogie piano player. Well, he's a big star in Canada now. Yeah, he is. Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, he is. Found himself a good woman. Got to yeah. settle himself down and Mr. Two, Maple Award. Two out of the three last, uh, two out of the last three years. Yeah. Number one blues piano player in, in Canada. That's oh, right. That That's right. He's really something, yeah. Really a talented dude. Yeah, he and I talk. We 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 we're, we're always in contact. Yeah. Mostly about baseball. Ah, <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. Um, we have we had a lot of contact this week because he's mm -hmm. a huge Houston Astros fan. Oh, okay. And they've been playing the Baltimore Orioles. This they week. have. Yes, and he's been yeah, giving me know. a lot of shit. <laughs> <laughs> about how they're whipping your hide. Yeah. Week, yeah. yeah. Uh, anyway, so. Uh, so you had this little bass that you bought. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. And I just played it all the time. Did you? And I would like get mad at it too. I'd get mad and I'd <laughs> throw it on the floor. Really? I would get mad. I'd like I would drag it down the stairs. What was it doing? What what, what was it doing to you? Because I couldn't do my, I couldn't get my fingers to do what I was telling oh, so them. So naturally to do. it was the bass's fault. And it fault. was the bass's fault. Yes. And so it's all kind of beat up and smashed up and there's parts missing, you know, and stuff like you that. You still have it? Oh yeah, I still have it. It's in the closet. Really? Oh, I'll never sell that bass. Wow. Never sell that bass. <laughs> One of these days I'll actually get it fixed cuz the electronics Did don't you name work. it? No, I didn't. Okay. No. Women do that. Yeah, they name their instruments. And they well, name, and their hey, cars. Lucille, come on. Well, that's true. And, Very true. You know, didn't uh, but women name Willie, their cars? Willie and Nelson. Stuff, that's yeah. true. Yeah. Well, it's like my van, my minivan. I call it the big fat cow. There you go. Because it just looks like a big cow. <laughs> it's just this bovine <laughs> thing tooling down the road. Yeah, but no, I just. Do you ever take that bass out and play it? I don't. Yeah. You know, and I I thought about it a few years ago. I took it out uh -huh. and, and messed around with it and. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's a four-string bass, and I mainly play oh, a six-string. Yeah. Why is that? Why did you switch? There's more more notes. Ah. Uh, because <laughs> there's more notes you yeah. can play, and it's a, mainly it's like like I could I can see myself playing a five-string bass uh -huh. because there's a lot of songs that are in D, they're in C, uh -huh. you know, that you want to hit these low notes, you know. Yeah. And some people have given me guff about it, but for the most part, people are used to it, you know. Why would they give you guff about it? I don't know, man. There's <laughs> a particular bass player uh -oh. that has made snotty comments. Oh, no. 
Yeah, but for the most part, you know, I think it's to just your face. No, on Facebook. Oh. On Facebook, and they'll go. Oh. But to me, it's like these guys that say, oh, "You play bass with a pick, and you're a wimp, and you got to play with your fingers. You shouldn't play with a pick." And it's like, <laughs> you know, Chris Squire and Bobby Vega. And yes. There's all these, you know, yeah. Anthony Jackson. Jackson, yeah, he's a real yeah. schlub on the bass. You know, these guys that play with a pick occasionally. You know, so I don't know. I think too many people are. They're trying to be something. They're uh -huh. trying to be a purist. And it's the people who aren't trying to be anything. They're just doing their thing. Yeah. That don't say anything. They don't uh -huh. care. You know, and I've noticed, and, you know, hate to bring race into the issue, but I've noticed that I've never had a black musician say anything negative about my six string bass. Uh -huh. And I've noticed there's a lot of black artists. You know that have six five and six string bass players, uh -huh. and mainly it's because you just hear this note. You can hear that low. Hey, we're in the key of D. And you can hit that low note, and it's uh -huh. just about well, you're just making a sound, you know. But I think there's there's kind of this there's this trend in blues, and I in a way I think it's a good thing amongst. Uh, you know the white working class kind of musicians uh -huh. that are like we need to be authentic, and in order to be authentic. You got to play an old P bass or an old jazz bass, uh -huh. you know, and you, you got to stuff foam in it or something. And you got, you know, you have to look a certain way and dress a certain way and you yeah, have to play yeah. this style of music and stuff like that. We have to be authentic. Yeah. You know, like I said, I think there's something valuable about that, but I think there's something that can that can res be restricting and restrict you. Yeah. You know, yeah. whereas I think the, the, the African-American artists or people who've just been doing it. This uh -huh. is this is our culture. This is our music. Yeah. Uh, they're just not thinking about that. They're just hey, let's make some music. <laughs> right. You know what I'm right, saying? Right. Yeah yeah, yeah. 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 So and it's interesting. And and I I talk a lot about race on Facebook, and I get you know these threads going and talking about that because I think I think it's important, especially in the blues. And you know, it's sad to say, I mean, I've encountered a lot of um, racism amongst even white blues musicians that I've seen, uh -huh. you know, because you connect with so many people when you have 5,000 friends on Facebook and yeah. you see what their friends are posting. Right. And there's people that are, you know, not even necessarily based in the South, but who are posting kind of racist things about the president uh -huh. or about uh -huh. uh, events in Baltimore and stuff like that. Yes. And you just go, yes. dude, you're a blues musician. There is, there is. What? Who do you think... It, Oh, I understand. There's, this music there is, that you're playing. There is one blues musician in this town uh, who will never be in Oregon Music News. Yeah. Because he is a truther. He's a birther. Oh. Yeah. And I just decided, well, you know what? That, that, he's not gonna. He's not getting in. That's just out there. Yeah. 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 And yeah. I don't understand. That might be it. unfair, and I don't care. Yeah. I don't understand it. I think it's important to engage with people because like my theory about it is that, you know, there's the David Dukes out there yeah. and then there's the Archie Bunkers. Correct. And we need to talk to Archie Bunker. Right. And we need to say, hey, man, have you ever thought about it this way? Right. You know, right. because it's like that, you know, the scene where uh, uh, Sammy Davis comes and just plants a big wet one yeah. on him, you know? <laughs> It's like that really resonated in the popular culture where yeah. it's like, yeah. okay, we know you're wrong and you're an idiot, but we love you anyway, yeah. and we're going to try to 
pull you in along with us. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, so if you if you got in through Deep Purple. Yeah, I did. So how did how did how did oh you boy. get how did you how did you get past not past that? I'm not saying that yeah. in a bad way. Roger Glover rocks, man. No, no, I was how, how did you get in, in, into more bluesy stuff? Well, I realized that rock at that time. It's a long haul. Yeah, it's a long story. It's a long and varied tale. I I was into Deep Purple and Cream and yeah. uh, Vanilla Fudge and stuff uh -huh, like that. Uh -huh. uh, Black Sabbath, uh -huh. Geezer Butler, guys like that. And then I discovered Iron Maiden. And it was the greatest thing I had ever heard in my life. And I finally wow. had a hero to model myself off of. Two heroes, actually. Their singer and their bass player. Wow. Who I just learned every single note of every single record they ever made. Until, you know, for the per first seven records or something. I, to, to this day, I How remember all the lyrics. How old were you? How old was I? Yeah. Um, early teens. Yeah. In my early teens as yeah, a teenager. Yeah. And so I learned all this metal stuff. And I was in a, a crossover punk metal band called Dead Conspiracy. And we played down at Satyricon. Uh -huh. and, and then, um, but I also got into Level 42. Uh -huh. And, uh, you know, kind of learn funk through the back door. Um, I would also just play along with stuff that was on the TV. So I would just, like, there'd be, hey, that's a cool Fred Meyer commercial, man. I still remember <laughs> this Fred Meyer commercial. This is awesome bass line, you know. And just anything and everything. Anything on the radio uh -huh. I would hear, you know. Um, I, I, it, it turns out I ended up playing a lot of like Marcus Miller bass lines because I didn't realize that Marcus Miller was the guy in the studio on oh, the yeah. AM radio, yeah. the stuff that I was playing. Yeah. So I just play everything. And then when I was 19 years old, I joined my first top 40 band. I thought, I want to really? make a living doing this. What was the name so, of the band? Oh, my gosh. What was it called at the time? I think it became Rhythm Station uh -huh. after a while. Uh-huh. And so, and we played a lot of like Madonna uh -huh. and um, Paula Abdul and stuff like that. Uh -huh. And remember that song, "Living in the Wild Wild West." Oh yeah. Da, da, na, oh yeah. Da, na, na, na. It's like if I hear that bass line one more time, <laughs> I'm just gonna hang myself if I play that song one more freaking time. So to me, that was that was my uh, Mustang Sally. The Wild oh. Wild West. That's my Mustang Sally. <laughs> like, I'm not playing that song ever again. So I did that in Top 40. Um, I um, um, We moved to Seattle. My uh, ex and I, you know, at the time, we moved to Seattle, and we were in a uh, Top 40 rock band, and we could play what we wanted. So we could yeah. even do, like, Metallica and stuff like that. Wow. But we also did Cream and old uh -huh. Black uh -huh. Sabbath and uh -huh. stuff like that, too. You yeah. know, we just did kind of what we wanted to do. And, um, but I moved to Portland, I moved back to Portland in 1998, um, and just worked in a lot of, I've played in this reggae project a few times. I played uh -huh. in a country band for quite a while wow. over at the, the, oh gosh, what is that? Uh, truck stop. Jubits, oh, yes. I think it was Jubits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, that's a big room. Then I played in an I played in an Irish trio with a fiddle player and a and, and a guitar player, a tattoo. Were you playing player. electric bass in an I, Irish band? I played electric bass, man. Wow. A lot of one five, one five, one five. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of that stuff. So I knew the difference. I know the difference between a jig and a reel and really? a hornpipe wow. and all that stuff. I still I still know these Irish tunes. So and then I I met 
uh, I used to go to the candlelight and see Linda Hornbuckle. Uh-huh. And that and she said, I need to introduce you to Sonny Hess because I bet she'll, you uh-huh. know, be interested in hiring you for some of these women's showcases. Uh-huh. And that's how I met Sonny. And that's how I got introduced to blues with, was through Sonny and to R&B, through Linda, uh-huh. and just going to jams and stuff like that. And so Sonny and I started doing a lot of gigs together, uh-huh. and I started playing blues. And it was interesting because I, 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 I would go, oh, this is kind of like what John Paul Jones did on that Led Zeppelin track, you know. <laughs> and, oh, okay, I've kind of done this before. Uh-huh. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, so yeah. it was my earliest influences uh-huh. that really set the stage for me being able to play blues bass and blues rock. Because you got back to the roots of what you had, had previously been exposed exactly. to. Exactly. And, and so that's I where was, they got it. That's where they got it. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. So, you know, it felt pretty natural to me. Uh-huh. And I'm sure if I listened to some old recordings, I'd be like, oh, my God. Ugh. If I heard, you know, heard what I first thought was blues. Yeah. You know. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah. And just over time, started list, just listening to it. And mainly it's because people will say, okay, we're doing a show, and I want to do this Etta James song and this Coco Taylor song and this uh-huh. Albert Collins song, whatever. Uh-huh. And then you just learn that song, that song. And what's interesting, too, about coming to blues later in life is that, you know, like I said when I was listening to Iron Maiden as a teenager, I take the whole record, and this is the new record, and you listen to it from start to finish, and yeah. you just devour these records. Uh-huh. Um, and today it's more like sampling it's like, yeah. and, and even the, the, the releases that are available are like the best of Jimmy Reed. Yeah. You don't order a CD that right. was the record that Jimmy Reed put out. Right. You order a CD that's the best of. Yeah. And so you, it's like you're sampling, sampling, sampling. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's interesting. I think that's part of why I am like the variety blues artist is because, you know, I've, I've also done a lot of uh, backing, I backed up Paul Delay for a little while when his mm-hmm. bass player was working with uh, uh, Duffy Bishop. So I did some, you know, and I've done plenty of sitting in and done some studio work and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So there's just been a lot of opportunities where people hand me a pile of songs and say, "Here, learn this." Yeah. And I think that's how I eventually learned, you know. So why, when, 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 and why did you decide that you were going to have your own band? Well. You know, I think, well, for one thing, I got clean and sober. Uh, yeah, I yeah. got clean and sober. I'd spent, had stints of being sober before, but I, ne- yeah. I never thought of myself as being a songwriter. I always thought of myself as being a side person. Really? I never thought I had the capability to run a band or I think just having been sober for a few years. And then I started writing songs. And huh. yeah, like I said, I never thought I was a songwriter. Ever. And I would even say, no, I can't do that. But they just started kind of coming out and happening. Yeah. And yeah. and that's when I said, well, at least the first thing I should do is just make a record. And the first record I did was just a mashup of like, here's a country song and a blues song uh-huh. and a arena rock song. Did you have a working band at that time? No, we just it, put was... the band together around it. Really? We put the band together. I actually recorded at Jeff Knudsen's studio, uh-huh. and he said, "You gotta let me play guitar. You gotta let me play guitar." <laughs> I was like, "All right, man. You know, let's get in the studio." And he laid down great tracks, and he was like, uh-huh. "I gotta play this stuff live with you." You know, okay, man, let's do it. You know, <laughs> so 
he and I were kind of a team for a long time. And, yeah. But everything kind of morphed over time, and it just got more bluesy. Uh, there's some gospel influence in there too, and and now it's turning a little bit toward that classic R and B. I've been uh -huh. listening to a lot of James Jamerson tracks, and really? stuff like that. So yeah, you know, it just changes over time. Uh huh. Changes its flavor, but yeah, I never thought I wrote songs, and I still don't think I write. Like I said, you know, they kind of you let them write themselves. Who who is your basic band now? My basic band now. Well, I've been working as a trio a lot. Yeah. Yeah, working as a power trio a lot. You know, uh, Brian Harris left the band. He was an integral part of the band uh -huh. you know, on keys yeah. and he left to join Curtis Salgado yeah. it's like well what am I going to say no don't join Curtis Salgado's band and then Jeff Knutson split a little uh, you know some months ago uh, Michael Ballish a drummer I've been working with for many years he's been you know so for a while it kind of felt like this is me and Michael, man, uh -huh. and this rotating cast of guitar players. Yeah. But um, uh, there's a guy, Jason J.T. Uh -huh. Thomas, that um, had we had this kind of bizarre connection. The day that Jeff Knudsen quit was this, at the same moment that he, we were having this phone conversation. Jason was offering his services to me in a Facebook message. Wow. And so I said well maybe that's the guy so i had yeah. like five seconds to really worry about you know <laughs> how am i gonna find another guitar player wow. and i look at those facebook messages like that was pretty spooky so i was like i'm gonna give this guy a shot yeah you know yeah. he was leaving somebody else's band at the, uh -huh. at the time uh -huh. and just looked me up I, I was, and and he's great he's really great he's very rhythmic he's very solid he does his homework so a lot of these gigs are me and JT and Michael. Um, Pat McDougal plays keyboards with us uh -huh. sometimes, and you know that's a blast. And he sings and he writes really cool songs too. Uh -huh. So uh -huh. you know Dave Million goes with us on the road. Yeah. Michael Ballish is a school teacher, so ah. it's a lot of the year he can't travel so much. Yeah. But Dave's a blast to travel with, and he's hilarious, uh -huh. and he knows a lot of people. Uh -huh. Everywhere he goes, he makes friends. And they all remember him, and huh. it's kind of funny because we'll we'll go into a club I've never played before. They don't come up to me and go, "Lisa, nice to meet you." They go, "Dave, dude, <laughs> it's so nice to see you again." You know, so <laughs> yeah, so yeah, we've been mostly power trio in it. Really? Yeah. Well, there's not a whole lot of, you know, it's a matter of, you know, I'm a working musician. I yeah. work in the clubs. Yeah. There's not a whole lot of great paying gigs for four piece, five piece. I feel bad for horn players and yeah. harp players. Cause Would you have horn players if, if, if you could afford it? I don't, know, I don't know. I think for special events, I probably would. Yeah. You know, I like a smaller outfit. I really like a smaller outfit. Uh -huh. There's something on stage that's more condensed and uh -huh. more powerful, uh -huh. and my attention seems to be more focused uh -huh. with a smaller group. More intimate. Yeah, it's more intimate. Yeah. But there's, I don't know, that it sounds strange. I mean, even if you're blasting out something really powerful, it's still more intimate. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. but th there's something that, it, I don't know, it just seems more focused. And even though there's less noise being made, I suppose you can say, yeah. and the the instrumentation has shrunk down, which uh -huh. means the arrangements have kind of uh -huh. shrunk down. You're not hearing the organ part or the harp part. Um, 
I don't know. There's something that's really powerful about that power trio uh -huh. thing where it's just you and the drummer and the guitar player. And it's just, it's very, I guess, focused is the. Are you word. thinking about that format for the, the new album? Or have you, got, have you gotten I'll, that far? I, you know, I haven't gotten that far. I think I let the songs tell me what they want. And, and I know there's going to be things on the record that aren't reproducible. You know, yeah. but I have stuff on. You know, frankly, people do not give a shit. I th <laughs> I don't think they give a shit anymore yeah. because I remember yeah. uh, you know Van Halen, yes. president, yeah. uh, yeah. for, for instance, was concerned about they didn't want to have layering and tracking, and then later on, you know, well, they would have a synth playing in the background at their live shows, and yeah. they can afford all that stuff. But for the most part, I've noticed that people they will hear the arrangement that we have, the simpler arrangement that we have, and then when they get the record and they hear Mitch Kashmar kicking ass on the harmonica, yeah. it's a bonus. Yeah. yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. It's it, it's like you get you're getting something a little different from the live show and and mm -hmm. I I don't think it necessarily takes away because I think we're all strong players. Uh -huh. Does does your bass player husband influence what comes out of uh, uh, what the music that, the, that you create? Yeah. How does that work? Well, I know. First of all, how does it work? How does and it work? And second of all, how does that work? Yeah. <laughs> it's great. It's great. Well, he's he's a tech guy, and he's a nerd, bass nerd guy. Really? You know, Alan Markell, my yes. husband. Yes, yes, And, um, you know, so he's really, he's always buying new basses and selling the old one uh -huh. and looking up stuff online. And I've been playing, like, the same bass for 25 years, <laughs> you know? And that's like, when it breaks, I'll buy a new one, you know? But, um you know, the one thing I got from him, he does this great thumb muting technique where uh -huh. he can make an electric bass really sound like an upright. Really? Oh, yeah. And he's just so strong and driving. Yeah. So when I hear him play, it's like, yeah, I want to I wanna dig in like that. <laughs> you know, just really dig in. It's like somebody with a post digger. Well, he's the, he's the prototype bass yeah. player. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yes, he is. I think so. He's like, this is what you, this is how you do that. And I, it's funny because I've seen him at jams uh -huh. and I've seen him at like double bills and festivals, yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. And to me, it's like, you know, he goes up, these other guys, they go play the bass. Yeah, yeah, it's good. Hey, man, wow, it's nice, good, you know. And then Alan goes up there, boom, 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 boom. And it's like so strong. And when he's done, it's like he wipes off his hands. Okay, that's how you do that, people, you know. So, are yeah, you I really admire you, you, you're more, Are you, you consider yourself a more lyrical bass player? <clears throat> I, well, yeah, I am. And yeah. I'm, I'm more, um, I'm less busy than I used to be. Huh. But I'm a I'm a busier bass player, uh -huh. you know. I think there's room for that. I, I oh God, his name escapes me. Uh, played with uh, Junior Wells, you know. Uh -huh. That guy was all over the place. Yeah. So it's you know, I, I get back to that whole thing of this conservative element in the white working class blues yeah. scene of we need to be authentic and everything needs to be very stripped down and the bass player has to play super simply and stuff like that. Yeah. But you go back to those old recordings and you, I mean, shit, you hear some of the stuff Willie Dixon is doing and it's sure. out there and he's yeah. playing twos where there's a five and uh -huh. fours where there's not. And, and, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot more precedent for being both, being both very simple and being, you know, both yeah. busy. There's room. It's a big tent. There's room for yeah. both. But you have to lay it down. You have to 
if you want your tent to stand, you got to dig yeah. that, you know, you got to be the post digger. Yeah. You got to dig it in deep yeah. and you got to lay it down. So as long as you're doing that, uh-huh. I don't think it really matters how many strings you have or how many notes you play, yeah. as yeah. long as you are holding it down. The uh-huh. drummer is the same way. Yeah. You know, sometimes yeah, I'll yeah. I'll be playing with a drummer and I learn, and they're over there going stickity 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 stickity. I'm like, what are you doing, man? But sometimes <laughs> these guys can do it, and you don't even notice they're doing it uh-huh. because they're keeping the beat so steady. Uh-huh. So they they can get busy around it, but as long as they're holding it steady, you, you it it doesn't make you go, what the what are you doing back there, man? <laughs> Do you, do you own an upright bass? No, I do not. I tried to play an upright bass in, in sixth grade. <laughs> in sixth grade band, I tried. And I just freaking hated it. Really? I hated it. Wow. I hated it because I could, I just sit there. Mm, mm, well, I mean, I hated mm, asparagus when I was in the mm, sixth grade, but I learned to like it. I mean, but, yeah. I, I, but I grew up and, 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 and yeah. Would you I'm try maybe, it? Again? Would you ever try it again? I don't know if I would because I have some injuries. Oh. I don't know if I would oh, because oh. I just wouldn't want. Like I don't play acoustic guitar much anymore. Really? Because it a- aggravates a wrist injury that I oh. have. I can't bend my left wrist oh. anymore. Oh. It just doesn't wow. move any more than that. But I don't need it to move any more than that. Yeah, yeah. So. Oh. Yeah. So some things I just don't do. Does that, how, how does that influence your playing, or does it? What the the injury? Yeah. Well, I mean, like the shoulder injury I have is from a car wreck. Yeah. And so I, you'll see, I I, I strap my base on my right shoulder. Yeah. And I tuck my right elbow in and kind of hold the base down, and I just move it around with my right hand and my right arm a lot. So that not only moves the neck closer to my body, I can reach the notes a little better. But the main thing is I can't put a lot of weight on my left shoulder anymore. My hand will go numb. So I when I slap and pop, I move it to my left. If I'm using my thumb, uh-huh. I'll move it to my left shoulder. Uh, but for the most part, I'm on my right shoulder. It looks rea- weird. You realize no, you no, no, no. It doesn't look. weird. You realize no one has a clue that you have any trouble at all. Yeah, people yeah. do ask me. I get I get questions like on Reverb Nation. As you can ask the artist uh-huh. a question, yeah. and the question I get most often is, "Why do you put your base on your right shoulder?" I can understand that, but that doesn't. It that that doesn't. Indicate that they think that you have, you're, you have any difficulty. Like, yeah, I, yeah. You know, you know John Stoll, the, the guitar player. Yeah, jazz guitar, yeah. Oh, uh-huh. He has this really weird way of he he almost holds the the, the, the neck of the guitar upright. Yeah. When he plays, now he does that. Not Jim Miller used to do that right. too. But he he does that because uh, uh, he likes piano voicings. On his guitar, and, uh, and he can get that that way. It's yeah. not because of any any injury or anything. Yeah. So, so people, you know, ask him that question. Mm-hmm. But I think that's the same reason they ask you that question. Mm-hmm. They, don't, they don't perceive that there's anything wrong. Yeah. I don't think anybody thinks that, yeah. that you have any kind of injury whatsoever. Yeah. You know, that's just what you're it's like. Just how I how yeah. I do it. It's just how you do it. How yeah. I roll you know? with T-bone. Weird, you know, I mean, T-bone why did Jimmy did Jimmy Hendrix play the guitar upside down because it was he had an injury? Mm-hmm. No. Mm-hmm. No. <laughs> yep. You know, so that's 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 interesting. Yeah. I mean, I I had no I you know, I I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. I just for a yeah. long time I had to sit down to play. Wow. Because I hadn't learned how to put it on my right shoulder. But also, I think it was just too painful to put it on any shoulder. Mm-hmm. So I had a pretty severe 
neck injury, spinal injury. Yeah. I still have to baby it all the time. Now that I'm huh. traveling more, yeah, I got to be careful. Wow. We just drove back from San Francisco, and, uh -huh. and uh, that was kind of rough. Huh. Yeah. So have have you and Alan ever ever discussed having two bases in the same band? We everybody brings that up. Well, you know, it's it, it happens. Funny. Dumpster Funk, the great New Orleans band, yeah. has two bass players. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Yeah. That's true. I don't know. Well, here, you know, we did with Jim. Speaking of Jim Miller, yeah. with uh, it was Jim Miller and I, and um, first it was Tim Miller, his brother, that played upright, and he passed away. And so, but it was um, uh, Gary Fountaine. And me and Jim Miller, yeah. we got, uh, we did this thing called Bases Loaded, <laughs> and we played a 45-minute set at the Blues Festival some years ago. Uh -huh. And we all just sat down on chairs and sat there and played it. We did like um, My Girl and stuff like that. <laughs> oh, of yeah, course, I yeah, ended yeah. up playing a lot of the melodies because uh -huh. I had the high string, uh -huh. Uh -huh. and I would do some chords, and we kind of trade back and forth. Uh -huh. And after we were done with our 45-minute set. Um, one of the stage crew came up to me and said, wow, that was really great yeah. for the first 15 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> and then it's like, just stop. Just make it stop. <laughs> boom, 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 boom. You know, it was like a bunch of fat bears rolling down a staircase or something <laughs> i don't know well i wasn't saying that it should be, it should be just just the two of you yeah I'm no but in a, a band in a, in a, in a yeah. band. i don't know i don't think so huh? well no i mean i mean since i don't you, it since just you have seems like styles, I'd have to, we'd have to i'd have to practice and i'd have to work at it i don't want to practice <laughs> i don't practice you don't practice i don't practice really I learn stuff, yeah, but I don't practice. Really, I should. Wow, I know I should. Like I said, you know, you interviewed Damian Erskine, and I took a lesson with Damian Erskine, like one or two or something like yeah. that. He was like, "Let me give you all these real books on disc, and here, take these home, and you can play. And here's some techniques to practice." And I did for like two days, and then I was just like, "Oh man, oh yeah, I gotta advertise in this place. And I, oh, I gotta do the dishes, you know." I just can't make myself do it. Oh man! Yeah. Well, we'll uh, we'll look forward to seeing you at the blues festival. Yay! Yeah, I'm not there like with my band. No, but um, I'm sharing a set with Ben Rice yes. on the third. Yes. And then I'm playing with Louis Payne and the uh, and uh, oh, the Andy Stokes. Yeah. The All Stars is going to be awesome on that's July fourth. And I'm doing that's blues cruise. Right? Yeah, that's yeah. soul and R&B. Yeah. I'm doing right. a lot of covers and stuff on Marvin Gaye and stuff All like right. that. And um, and then Sonny Hess and this whole uh -huh. parcel of kick-ass yeah. women are doing the women's that soul that's uh, uh -huh. sail on sister cruise. Yeah, it's it sells out every time. Yep, it sells out every time. And uh, uh, Charmaine Neville will yeah, be man. on that. So. So I and I'm sure at the last minute somebody will say I need a bass player, you know. So I'll be doing that whole run from one stage to the other, you know. That's always what seems to be happening to me. Yeah. But when you're, you know, it's like Dave Call, you know. Yeah. You see him, it's like you walk from one stage. Right. Wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. I Weren't know. you just over here? <laughs> over there. <laughs> it's good to be the bass player. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, listen, thanks a lot. Brandy, thank you. Thank for coming in and talking. This just flew by, didn't it? Yeah, well, and <laughs> thank you to anyone who listened to this whole damn thing. <laughs> <laughs>